0: Please be seated, and good morning. There is nothing quite like a good fire to bring human beings together. This weekend I've spent a good portion of my time around a campfire, and I've been out at Lake Logan, our diocesan conference center, volunteering at the annual Cold Mountain Music Festival. And so I apologize today if I seem a little hoarse in my voice or if I smell like campfire smoke. It was awesome. We had like 2,200 people on this gigantic field celebrating, singing, uh, dancing. It was wonderful. This is a music festival that's put on every year by the Diocese of Western North Carolina, and it benefits the ministries of Lake Logan and of our church camp, Camp Henry. I arrived there on Friday afternoon to volunteer to help set up tents, Uh, map out camping spaces and to welcome our first visitors of the weekend. That afternoon was crazy, chaos. 25 volunteers setting up for a festival of 2,500 visitors probably. So we were scrambling to put up signs. The afternoon was crazy, but the evening we found some time for rest and relaxation and a little bit of a party. And as human beings have done for thousands and thousands of years, we spent that evening gathered around a fire, hot, crackling, burning, consuming, transforming fire. And I couldn't help but look around at the faces on that fire, who was with me, some of whom I'd just met, people who I'd I'd known for years, people who were local, people who traveled as far as California and Illinois. I saw the flames reflected on these people's faces, and I thought about Pentecost. Today we celebrate Pentecost. It is a day when we celebrate this event that happened 2,000 years ago of the Spirit descending on the disciples in powerful wind and fire. It's the day when we celebrate the birth of something new, totally new and incomprehensible, born by the Spirit out of unthinkable darkness and confusion and instability, Pentecost. And it's important to note, and somewhat ironic, that the day of Pentecost was, at the time of Christ, a festival. Much like many gathered at Cold Mountain yesterday from all over, so too in ancient days did people come from all over, to celebrate the harvest festival in Jerusalem. They celebrated what was called the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of 50. In Greek, the term Pentecost literally means the number 50. 50 days, 50 to represent the number of days that had passed since Passover. And so on this weekend, this glorious weekend in Jerusalem, the ancient city would fill with Jewish worshipers from all over. Cultures collided, as we heard, right? Languages were were filling the air of these city squares, and music was played. And I imagine that somewhere, after all the work was done, after the prayers had been sang, after the, the, the gathering had been gathered, a few humans probably kindled some firewood. And they sat around a fire and got to know one another. As I moved among the different vendors of the music festival this past weekend, I was drawn to the banks of the river, which leads into Lake Logan. And if you have been to Lake Logan, then you know that the property of Camp Henry, it sits right on the banks of the Lower East Fork of the Pigeon River. Now the land around that river, though really verdant and lush, it still bears scars of what took place there nearly one year ago. In August of 2021, Western North Carolina received a torrential rainstorm from Tropical Storm Fred. Some of you might remember this storm. And of those who received the rain, there was none hit worse than the small mountain towns that surround Lake Logan. Canton, Crusoe, the communities off Highway 276, all these small communities were decimated by the Pigeon River and its forks as they spilled their banks And swept up homes and trailers and cars and and humans. People died. People were injured. Homes were lost. People lost everything. The banks of the river along Lake Logan they still show the signs of this torrential storm, all the flooding. But while the scars are still there, there is also evidence of healing. The way the water flows has changed completely. Violent waters have carved out new pathways for the river. It will never be what it once was. But green shrubs and wildflowers and river cane now grow in abundance. Though the scars remain, life among that river, like life in these small rural mountain towns, is doing something new. In today's reading from Acts, we meet the disciples as they too are bearing scars, still healing from this psychological event that, where they saw Christ uh, crucified and then risen and then ascend again only to leave them. They will never be the same as they were before Christ appeared in their lives. And I imagine that they are all asking themselves, what do we do now? Go back to their nets and fish return to the fields and the vineyards, return to collecting taxes. The torrential, all-encompassing experiences that they have shared with Jesus has left their own lives permanently altered, saturated by grace. Powerful waters have spilled the banks of their own experience, and it has altered the very fabric of their lives. Much like the river, they too will never be the same. And so what are they supposed to do now? It is in this liminal space, the space between death and life, between the storm and recovery, that the doors of their home are blown open. The ground beneath their feet gives way. The earth trembles, and we are told that there is suddenly a sound, the rush of a violent wind, and tongues of fire appearing above their heads, and they are, prevented, they are presented with a vision of a new creation. They are presented with a creation in which all are united across language and culture and history. A vision of creation in which all are united despite their differences. They are united by wind and fire. And so now the disciples have a choice. Go back to their old ways. Go back to their nets, their taxes, and their vineyards. Or follow this new path they are presented with. Follow this new vision and follow the spirit that has descended upon them through fire and wind. I've talked a lot this morning about the power of fire. How it can unite and warm us and transform us. But I would like to focus for one moment on wind. In Hebrew, this powerful force that blows through this house today, it has a name. And that name in Hebrew is ruach. And I invite you to say this word with me, ruach. You've got to use your, use your voice for that last syllable, ruach. Yeah, there you go. And this ruach, it has a few different meanings. But what all those meanings have in common is a transformative energy. Ruach is a word for wind in the Hebrew Bible. That invisible energy which blows through things, blows over mountains, topples trees, pushes clouds. That is Ruach. But there's also another way of understanding this ruach, and that's breath. Everyone take a deep breath with me. That is also ruach. This breath which carries into our body vitality and energy is ruach. And finally, another way of describing this word is as as God's own personal presence personal and transformative transformative presence. As air is invisible, so God's presence is invisible. As wind is powerful, so is God's presence powerful. And as air and oxygen breathe life into creation, so does God's breath give us life. Ruach. And we see this all over the Bible, but especially in liminal spaces of the Bible. The space between storm and new life the space between crucifixion, ascension, and Pentecost. We see Ruach in the first book of the Bible, in Genesis, as wind hovers over the face of the deep. We see Ruach again in the gospel as Jesus breathes on his disciples, bestowing upon them the Holy Spirit. And today, we see Ruach, that violent wind which threatens to blow everything away, leaving only God's presence in our hearts offering us a path out of darkness and death and into new creation. Friends, much like the disciples, we are presented today with a choice in the wake of a violent wind. We, too, are presented with a choice to follow new creation. After all that we have learned and continue to learn through the COVID-19 pandemic and all the ways that it has altered our routines and plans... After the way that COVID has disrupted everything in our life that we thought we knew about each other, or about ourselves, or about our church. After leadership transitions here at All Souls, should we go back, or should we follow this new vision of creation? Should we go on to something new? Let us go forward, friends. Lean into these visions cast by fire and wind, visions which do not erase our differences, but which unite us through them, visions which don't eliminate identity, but glorify our identity in God. And don't look at this event of Pentecost like it is some artifact in a museum, because it is not. Rather, look at it like an historical event that is still occurring, unfolding right here in Asheville, North Carolina an historical moment which echoes out to us right now sitting in these in these pews uniting us in wind and fire as if we ourselves were sitting around a campfire with all those disciples the one that first felt that ruach who witnessed it all those years ago and then all the christians who have been swept up in it ever since it's happening here friends the doors have been blown open The spirit is on the loose. How will we, like the disciples, say yes to this new creation in our liminal space? Will we leave behind the old and shed our scars and lean into this new? Like the apostles, our journey ahead is daunting. Make no mistake, it is hard. The weight of what Christian discipleship calls us to weighs heavy on our bodies. But that tremendous work which the world desperately cries for, work which may take a lifetime or many lifetimes to complete, it begins not with great plans. It does not start with complex timelines or spreadsheets, but it begins with a burning fire in our hearts and with one big, tremendous powerful, life-giving breath. Amen.